Hello, and welcome to The Leader Lab, the podcast powered by Life Labs Learning. I'm your host and Life Labs leadership trainer, Vanessa Tunisian. In each episode, my lab mates and I distill our findings into powerful tipping point skills, the smallest changes that tip over to make the biggest impact in the shortest time. Welcome back, Leader Lab listeners. You're in for a treat today. It's our wrap-up episode where we bring our guests back in for an in-depth conversation. This time to do a deep dive into the skills and tools that make super leaders, well, super. And to bring this conversation to a beautiful point today, we have Roble Curse, Abby Ryder, and Masella Dukley back on the show. Welcome Ooh. back, y'all. Hey, so happy to be here. So happy to be here. Yes, yeah. and I'm happy that all of you are back, specifically because you covered some topics that were pretty pithy. So Roble, you were talking about responsiveness. Abby, you were talking about celebration. And I got to speak about role modeling with Masella. These topics are really front of mind for me, but I really want to pause and ground this conversation for a moment and start here. Why does being a super leader matter now more than it did before? I also wanted to make sure that you're listening to my cool rhyming skills. <laughs> uh, caught it. Thanks, Vanessa. Um, I, I had a drum set. I think I just set it aside. Uh, you know, my... <laughs> For me, the world and the workplace just continue to get more and more complex. The problems we're solving, the software that we use, how teams function together. And super leaders are those that are able to simplify that complexity and solve those problems with the teams and tools that they have. Love that. Abby, what's your take on this? Uh, I would add to that. I mean, I just agree that the one constant here moving forward and that will continue to be consistent is change. And what we're seeing in the research is that the most successful leaders and the most successful organizations are the ones that are able to adapt in the face of consistent change. And so being a super leader within the, that environment is just more essential today than it's ever been. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of something that my friends in the armed forces talk about all the time, and that's a VUCA situation. So volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. These folks don't know what they're walking into, but they have to formulate hypotheses and get prepared for what's on the other side. And that's exactly what super leaders need to also be doing. So I totally hear you on that one, Abby. And then Masala, what's your take on why super leadership matters now more than ever? Yeah, just a plus one to everything that Roble and Abby have already shared. One, we want to acknowledge that, you know, things are going to continue to change. We have to normalize that. And normalizing that gives us the ability to really focus in on the skills that are going to matter most for successful leadership. Our leaders are going to be our influencers, if you will. They're making sure that people are supported, they have what they need, and they're also really modeling behaviors that will allow people to be doing the same thing. We want leaders in every single domain. And so when you have one super leader, we have the potential to create more. I love that. So this is really about leaning into the unknown and being prepared for it, right? That's what super leaders do differently. And that's why people want to be working for them and be around them. So I'm curious, thinking about the topics that you all selected, what motivated you to select what you did? Abby, I'm going to toss that on over to you. It's a great question. And it might be a little bit surprising that focusing on the good things and not just moving forward is actually what I was focusing on. But the drive to always be striving and reaching our next goal leaves us feeling depleted and exhausted, especially when there is such consistent change. And so in order to weather that change effectively, 
we've got to press the pause button. We've Mm. got to stop on all levels, individually for ourselves, with others, one-on-one, as well as for our teams and organizations in order to reflect on what's going well. What are the successes and the wins so that that can sustain us through the challenge and we can build on that for the future. Love that. So basically, it's all about putting fuel in the tank, right? Like the car can't keep going if we don't gas it up. Oh, don't tell Elon Musk that. (laughs) Tesla, we're coming for you. One dopamine (laughs) drip at a time. Uh, Roble, you were talking about really leaning into openness, right? Not being defensive. What made that important for you? For me, when when I look at qualities and behaviors of leaders that stand apart. In my direct experience, this is one thing that they all have in common. Uh, They're able to hear just about anything and not take it personally, not get defensive and respond to the situation in a way that invites others to continue sharing and to build something together. Uh, I'm not forcing anyone around me to do this. It's an invitation to collectively build something. And when I think of super leadership and uh, skills that make an an impact day to day, being responsive rather than defensive is one that I think I'll hold on to for my whole life. I love that. And it ties perfectly to this idea of role modeling, which is what Masella was talking about. We can demonstrate that we're not defensive by role modeling that. And Masella, what makes role modeling sort of that super strength of a super leader? I think yours is probably the most meta of all of this. Yeah. So I really love the topic of role modeling. And I think it's so important because this is when we lean into, I think, more heightened awareness of the type of impact and influence that we actually have on our people. And, you know, the example that I shared in our episode was just the fact that, like, for example, PTO, it's all great and well if you have a policy that's like, it's unlimited PTO, you know, do what you want with it. But if you don't take PTO, there's an implicit message that's being sent to your teams, to the people that work at your company, that to be successful here, you have to be working all the time. And I think that what's really helpful is considering how do I contribute to the cycle or the system that impacts those around me? If you don't have any insight into that, it'll make it really hard for things to stick, especially the good things. You know, uh, that reminds me of a a CEO that I chatted with uh, during my time in grad school. And he said something that just really stuck with me. He said, if you're a leader and you're looking around and you don't like the things that you see, there are one of two possibilities. One is that you don't like yourself very much. And and that's directly to (laughs) Marcella's point, right? That we're constantly modeling this stuff. The second, he said, is that you're not really leading. Uh, somebody else's role modeling, and that's the real leader in the room. Uh, mm. So I uh, really love that point. Uh, it's a zinger, but it's true. Yeah. I think what's really interesting is that people tend to not be aware of how they're impacting others in even a vicarious nature, right? This idea that you are creating the water that people are swimming in with you uh, is so, so important to think about, which leads me to my next question around what can organizations do? to support the creation of super leaders on their team. Like everybody doubles down on high performers and those folks, but what can we do to create these folks, engineer the environments where they're more likely to grow? I think the first thing is pausing to ask ourselves if our leaders actually have the resources to truly be able to support their teams. I think one of the things that prevents people from being a super leader 
is that there are tons of great intentions and people want to do well by those that they're managing. Like, it's very rare that I meet managers who are just like complete garbage, who are like, (laughs) screw these people. I don't care. Like, often they want to help, but maybe they're low on bandwidth. Maybe they're like, I don't even know how to have this conversation. Maybe they feel like if they do have a conversation, their leadership team isn't actually going to back them or support them. And like, that's just not fun. So I think a real question is, do these people have the skills to actually do their job well? Do they have the time? And I know sometimes we cannot give people time. I understand we're busy, there's meetings, but even just like a, hey, at the end of the day, we want you to prioritize your people. We want you to feel like you can make space for them. We want you to say, hey, I'm not going to go to this meeting because I need to make sure that this person is okay. That is something that I think is really powerful. The really explicit conversation around giving your leaders the support that they need, whether that be a training, you can come to us at Life Labs, (laughs) or if it's, you know, just subtle. I'm not so subtle. Come to us. You know what you should do. No, but it's it's whatever it is. Maybe it is resources. Maybe it's providing them with you know a budget to go and learn these skills elsewhere outside of on the job. But if mm-hmm. people don't have that, they're not going to do it. I'd also say beyond things like learning dollars and learning funds, actually making it really clear that people can spend their time this way. I've heard from so many companies in the past year and really for a long time, they're like, yeah, I mean, I know I have $1,000 to spend a year, but I don't have the time to prioritize it. That's a really dangerous thing. So it comes back to this modeling. Yeah. And I think an interesting subtext about what you're mentioning, Masala, is there's this element of psychological safety in there. And Abby, this is your expertise, right? Understanding this and being able to talk others through it. How can we, aside from creating time and space, create psychological safety in the workplace? Like, What are some of the things that we can do? Yeah, it's something I'm super passionate about, as you know. One of the things that I think is most important for leaders to be able to do is to see and make space for people to be their full selves. So appreciating, asking, you know, getting to know people on a human level to whatever extent others feel comfortable. There's something we talk about in our Behaviors of Inclusion workshop called Equal Fatics. And fatic communication is just a fancy way to talk about small talk. And often we're so busy that we think, oh, small talk is is a waste of time. But small talk is not small. It's what signal sets to other people that we see them and that we care about them. So in our one-on-ones, spending time to actually get to know people. It's funny, when Masella was just talking, I was just thinking about our workshop people development because I literally was just teaching this and thinking about what do people like working on? What do they want to grow and get better at? Helping people understand that and having those conversations shows care as a manager. And as a leader, demonstrating that care is just so important and it's really connected with engagement. So if I'm hearing this correctly, it's not only just making sure people get things done, but we're checking in before we're checking on, right? This idea that I want to get to know you as a human and then use that information to make your job better, right? It makes such a difference that we are actually paying attention to the folks around us so we can, again, engineer that environment of safety and learning, right? Creating a learning orientation, which we keep coming back to again and again and again. Roble, you've been a little quiet on this particular question. I'm curious what's bubbling around in your brain. Oh, you know, now I'm thinking about uh, Buster Rhymes bubbling, uh, which I don't <laughs> think is exactly what you want to be to do. But thinking about what can organizations do to create uh, space for super leaders to emerge. And, and that's how I would think about it. You're kind of hearing two, I think, big topics here from Abby and Masala. One is creating the the conditions inside of the organization for the right things to arise. And those are things like psychological safety, motivation, maybe accountability to 
to pick up some of these behaviors that are important. Uh, and the second is make sure they're picking up the right skills. Now, mm. uh, you know, I, I've worked with enough organizations to know that there's a certain pride that comes from recreating one's own wheel, but there's been so much research spent looking at leadership and, and things largely fall into two big buckets. Uh, Timothy Judge did a meta-analysis looking at several dozens of studies looking at leadership behaviors. He said bucket one is consideration. It's basically taking into consideration the individuals that are on the team. And then the second is structure, right? Creating the right processes that work for teams in the organization. Those are the general big buckets. But beyond that, and I think maybe the magic of Life Labs is breaking it down to the actual skills that people do day to day. So we talked about not being defensive, right? And the ability to check in on other people. Thank you all for chiming in on that one. I'm sure people are furiously scribbling notes down. I know that I am every time I'm chatting with you all. If I really want to nail this, it's about creating the psychological safety, the space, and then also providing the support to learn these things. Super leaders just don't come out of thin air. It's something that we have to be deliberate, intentional, and strategic about. I would just add one more thing too, given what Masella's topic was, role modeling. If we're really intent on creating super leaders in our organizations, we've got to be really intentional about what we're role modeling and what being a super leader looks like, right? It Mm. all starts at the top in terms of the culture and the messages that we're sending through our behavior. Yeah, there's this idea and it's leaders honestly have a disproportionate amount of impact on folks' experience in the workplace. So keeping a keen eye on that leads me to my next question here. What impact are organizations seeing when they employ super leaders? Like what actually changes when you have super leaders on your team? Oh, I mean, I think people stay. So retention, (laughs) people are generally happier. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, it's a stroll in the park. Humans are humans. And I think one thing that's important to consider, especially when it comes to engagement, is the fact that you can't expect somebody to be engaged all of the time. But what's really powerful about a super leader is that this is someone who's going to have the wherewithal, the skill set, the ability to check in and see what does this person need right now? We talk about this in our effective one-on-ones workshop where it's like, as much as they care about strategy or say that they care about strategy, people will want you to focus on the task at hand, what's on the table. And a super leader is really great at thinking about other people's thinking. Where are they? How can I support them? How do we make this sustainable? And it's really powerful because again, to the point we've been making, you know, throughout this entire conversation, great super leaders create additional super leaders within your organization, even if their titles are not leaders, so to speak. We're all leaders of our own domain. And this is about ensuring that people understand their own locus of power, their locus of control. I will say that Masella is actually my role sponsor at Life Labs, which essentially means she's my manager. And I've legitimately seen her employ these skills within our one-on-ones. Two of the top predictors of engagement for folks are, do they feel that their manager cares about them as a human? And do they feel like they are learning and growing? And this is what a super leader is able to do in their conversations with their folks. And Masella does this with me. You know, I feel like she really cares about me and I feel like she is very much invested in helping me grow and develop. I love that. And um, I wonder what bonus points Masala is going to give you for dropping that on the podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, I did right? not. I did hey, not pay Abby to reviews. say <laughs> those things. 
Uh, no, but honestly, uh, Masella, you have been a leader in a lot of folks' life. We won't make this Masella show, even though it's easy to do. I say all the time, uh, because of you, I'm here in big and small ways. But uh, Roble, uh, what impacts are you seeing in organizations that employ super leaders? Well, you know, the impact Masella has had on my life uh, is... Uh... <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, y- you get better retention, you get better engagement, and you get better productivity. You know, Bruce Avolio did a, a study looking at the impact of losing a CEO on publicly traded companies. So you can literally see the dollars that mm. strong leadership brings. It's something that's very much measurable. That's also measurable at the team level. Uh, you can see it even in small teams like surgery teams. This is stuff that matters both in terms of our own quality of life, but also for the performance of the organization. Yeah. Shout out to Tanya Luna. She's our co-CEO at Life Labs, and she's definitely the type of leader that I would follow into battle. So Tanya, if you're listening, you are also a super leader too. And, so, yeah, and Tanya, uh, the impact you've had on my life. Um, <laughs> Plus so. one. This can be the Tanya Luna show. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I guess one of my final questions beginning to wrap up this conversation and is thinking from the shoes of a super leader, right? I'm a person who is looking to create this psychological safety, decrease anxiety on my team. What are the things that I need to be thinking about in the future? Right. We know a couple of behavioral units that we've covered on the show, but like, what are the things that you see coming up in this new hybrid environment that super leaders need to take into account? One thing I'll note is just the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we're seeing that more now than ever. And, but there's a long way to go. It's, it's a lot more than just talking. And so I think that's going to be something that differentiates super leaders moving forward is actually educating themselves and making a real priority from the top down in an organization. Mm-hmm. So making sure that we have diverse teams so that way we can strategize in a different way, innovate in a different way, uh, especially since we're going to be working from a distance, whether we're going to be co-located in office or some people are going to be in different spaces. I think people often think diversity, equity, and inclusion is about a person's appearance. But what I love to say is that diversity is not a person. It describes a group. And super leaders taking the time to really lean into that, create the conditions where those diverse perspectives actually can show up. To your point, Abby, I think is absolutely paramount for the future. Roble. Well, for me, a lot of my career is just about developing leaders. And that is maybe a meta answer to this question. But I just want to acknowledge that 70, maybe even 80% of development happens on the job via experience. So super leaders are those that are willing to acknowledge that and step in to new experiences, feeling like they could be more prepared. Of course, uh, that's most situations, most of the time in our life. Uh, But don't let that hold you back from picking up those experiences that will make you and your teams better in the future. Yeah. It reminds me of Molly Graham's essay, give away your Legos, right? As businesses scale, We need to make sure that the people that we're leading can also grow with us, right? That we can eventually parse out some of the strategy, the projects that we're working on and trust that there's going to be a new legion of super leaders underneath us. And that's also a subtext of what I'm hearing you say, Roble. Yeah. And leading from the rear, uh, Kofi Annan is a UN leader who really advocated from letting the most nimble amongst you go out up front and steer from the back. Uh, And I I think that works just as well. Um, So develop experiences, develop your own skills, learn things from those around you. It can go a long way. I I think one thing I'd add to 
all of this. So I'll start with the diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really tie that to what Roble just shared around like leading from the rear. We have to acknowledge the fact that for the past year and a half, people have been self-managing. People have been figuring out whatever it is that Mm -hmm. they need to figure out in order to work well and take care of themselves and their family and their friends and try not to get ill, whatever it is. And so there's going to be a real need to step back, listen, and allow people to also super lead for themselves to pause and say, well, what do I need in order to be successful and productive here? And for us to not be prescribing what we think it needs to be, getting their voices into the conversation. And when we think about real inclusion, real belonging, It's not assuming that what works for one person works for all. So really stepping Mm -hmm. away from this, great, we've got representation, but what does it actually mean for so-and-so to be, you know, a mom who happens to be a mom of color on this team who also happens to maybe deal with some level of anxiety or stress or someone who's going through some sort of life change who happens to be in a situation where they're living with, you know, XYZ people. And I understand, of course, there are boundaries that we have at work. This is about pausing, co-creating, and considering that you didn't need to be watching these people for them to do whatever work they've done in the past year. So let them be part of the process as we depict what the future looks like. Mm. Oh, so well said. What a word. I I wish that my instead of hearing my own voice in my head, I heard Masella's <laughs> voice just telling me what to say out loud. I think it'd be a lot better. Well, you know, I hear Masella's voice and the impact that she has on me. I'm just- <laughs> uh, are there any final thoughts on super leadership that you would like to leave listeners with? Be constantly curious, you know, and be willing to reinvent the wheel while also knowing that there's a lot of good that's been done. So when I've been talking about, you know, building on our wins and celebrating our wins, what's worked well? I was recently listening to a podcast about cultural renovation versus transformation and renovation. I love that idea that this is all about taking the good and iterating to keep that going. Mm, Like how stellar of an idea is that? We're always talking about cultural transformation. We want to just overhaul the whole thing. And that really just kicks away the fact that there's lots of good that a lot of cultures have embedded within them. So just like when you find an old house that has really good bones, but you just want to gussy it up, thinking about that with your culture at your organization and figuring out how can I keep the good, brush away a little bit of the bad, and then optimize it, make it perfect for the folks who are living in that home. Uh, And that just resonates so much with building on the wins, right? Really building on what's going well. You know, if there's something that I can leave people with, it's really just a reminder that we are not going back to anything. Like I keep seeing all over LinkedIn and wherever else I'm assuming everybody else as well, you know, like going back to work, like we've been working. (laughs) I don't know about all of you, but I feel like I've been working in fact, more than maybe (laughs) I've ever worked before. And it's just important that we stop hyper-focusing on like the going back to, and instead to this point of cultural renovation, really think about what we're trying to build ahead. You know, like imagine to the analogy of like having a home, you like the bones and structure, but sitting there and agonizing over how much you hate the current kitchen, make a new kitchen. We have space for that. Roble, final thoughts? You know, when I was a kid, my parents ingrained in me to leave things a little bit better than Mm -hmm. I found them. And I think that's one of those lessons that leaders have to take to heart uh, and expand that sense of responsibility moment by moment and group by group. So asking yourself, what's the impact that you're having on those folks? 
And are you leaving things just a little bit better than you found them? All right. So unfortunately, we have to wrap up the wrap up. And we have learned so much around what it takes to take super leaders into the future and to grow them within our organization. This idea that we want to be able to invest in time, resources, skills, and then also recognizing that almost everybody's a super leader because we've been self-managing for a really long time at this point, over a year. And with that, I want to thank each and every one of you for being on the show today. Thanks, y'all. Hey, thanks, Vanessa. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks, B. So good to be here. And that's a wrap of another episode of The Leader Lab. Make sure to subscribe and share this with at least one other person so we can all be super leaders. It's pretty awesome. The Leader Lab is executive produced and hosted by me, Vanessa Tunisian. Niadra James is our senior producer and Alana Berman is our director and editor. If you'd like to hang out with us on social, go ahead and find us on LinkedIn at Life Labs Learning and on Twitter at Life Labs Learn. To bring training to your team, head on over to lifelabslearning.com. See you in the lab soon.